Hey guys, welcome back. Episode four. And today we're going to talk about the idea of letting go. I know this is a little bit broad concept as mindfulness goes, but it is so hard in practice. It's kind of easy in principle when you think about it. It is so damn hard in practice. (laughs) So much so that, um, actually, I'm not sure if you remember the tattoo that I mentioned getting uh, at a very small roadside tattoo parlor in Austin, Texas in the last episode when I talked about that, but I'm looking down at that tattoo right now, and it's just like a small bit of writing on the inside of my right wrist, and it says, let go. (laughs) And I strategically chose that placement for the tattoo where I could see it any time for a reason. And it's because I need that reminder constantly. And I'm sure that many of my other self-diagnosed control freaks out there can relate to needing a message like that regularly. And um, about, about two and a half years ago, it was November 2021, I went to this week-long Buddhist meditation retreat um, as like a birthday gift to myself. I I try to gift myself with experiences more so than things. Um, So I went for a week. I had never done a retreat like that before. Excited, nervous, nurse-sighted. But it was actually up in Northern California where I grew up. I'm from Davis. My dad worked in the Bay Area. This was in a little area right outside of San Francisco. So it was, you know, a little bit of a homecoming, but to a place specifically where I hadn't been before. Um, It was at this amazing center called Spirit Rock. Highly recommend if you're looking into any type of meditation retreat, Spirit Rock. Um, So this retreat, it was silent and technology-free. So no devices, no phones, tablets, laptops, TVs, and no talking. And for the first few days, I I definitely had that phantom limb thing where, you know, you're reaching for your phone that's not there. You know, you're like, oh, did I put it on silent? Oh, checking text, checking whatever. You know, there were several days in the beginning where I was reaching for my non-existent phone, phantom limb style. And then the no talking thing was so interesting. Like you sit down at these long kind of picnic style tables at their cafeteria and your instinct is to like ask the people around you, like, what's your name? Where are you from? And, you know, I've been in sales for 15 years at this point and the small talk default setting is very much on autopilot. So (laughs) it was weird in the beginning to just sit in this like bubble of silence you know, not making eye contact with people and just minding your own business, sipping your soup. Uh, It was also vegan, by the way, which was probably, you know, very healthy. Um, But, you know, after a couple of days of no screens and no talking, you adjust. And actually, not only that, but I kind of liked it. I liked being free of the obligatory small talk and, you know, not losing hours of my life every day to doom scrolling. Those are actually nice things. So every day at this retreat, we would basically alternate between sitting and walking meditations. I think there were 10 total meditations each day uh, with kind of like a chanting, singing one at night that was cool. Um, 
So again, we weren't talking, we were chanting. The spirit, the guide would basically say something to us. He'd give us all sheet music and then we would like chant back, kind of call and response. It was cool. So back and forth and back and forth between sitting in this big indoor meditation center and then walking outside in these like very beautiful, serene hills. And the walking meditation was actually new to me. I remember a few days in, I like come out of my cabin after a a very lovely afternoon nap and I just see all these people like walking up and down these various paths on the property and they are moving at like a comically glacial pace. Like I really thought that I was in the zombie apocalypse of Marin County, like picking up their leg very slowly, putting it down. Like the point of walking meditation is to feel, you know, every muscle engagement, every contraction, where you're putting your weight. Is it on the ball of your foot on your heel? It is like feeling every single thing that you're doing when you're walking. It's mindful walking. Uh, it's basically just one of those things that we do on autopilot and we don't even think about. So we had to think about it, which was interesting. So at that point, I'd probably been meditating pretty regularly for the past like year, year and a half. I was not a pro by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, my meditation was like 10 to 15 minutes in the morning each day on average. So coming to something like this where you are meditating for like upwards of six hours a day, it really felt like going from zero to a hundred. Like that's a lot of time alone with your own thoughts. Like a lot. <laughs> and it, it probably took like two or three days just for my mind to just settle the fuck down. And I think one of the teachings that stuck with me the most and was probably, you know, one of the main reasons that I got the tattoo that I did, um, was they talked a lot, the guides talked a lot about this principle of non-attachment. Uh, the idea that attachment is the root of all suffering, and obviously for a control freak like myself, that, that hit pretty hard. So I think, you know, we all know at this point, that there's a very direct relationship between expectations and disappointment. You know, we can hope for something and expect something and plan for something, but, you know, often we do not ultimately control what happens. And damn, if that's not a very hard pill for us to swallow, <laughs> we kind of just want everything to be very if so facto in that regard. If I do this, then this should be the outcome. If I starve myself for a week, I should lose a few pounds. If I am a loyal, honest, loving partner, my partner should treat me in kind. If I get a degree and a good job and get married and have kids and blah, 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 I should be happy. I know we're more progressive now. We don't all believe that. I'm just, you know, going back into the archives. Um... And we want to be able to count on the future outcome that we that we want, that we expect. And I don't mean to sound like a pessimist here. I really consider myself more of a realist. But the truth is that we can't. <laughs> if any part of a future outcome depends on something outside of you, you truly cannot control it. But damned if we do not try our hardest. <laughs> and at the retreat, they actually also talked about holding things with an open hand, you know, kind of in that same idea of letting go. 
it's, you know, letting what wants to stay, stay, letting what wants to go, go. And there are times in our lives where every fiber of our being just wants to tighten our grip. We want to force the thing that we want. You know, we can use romantic relationships as an example. Sometimes we feel we have to force our partner to treat us the way we think we deserve to be treated. You know, treat us the way that they themselves said that they would treat us while knowing deep down that a type grip, that tight grip, it just leads to suffocation. And oftentimes to that person pulling away and actively creating space to to escape our grip. And sometimes, you know, we tighten our grip for good reason. We don't want to feel pain. That's human nature. We avoid pain if we can. We don't want to feel betrayed. We don't want to feel hurt, abandoned, deceived, disrespected, discounted. We want people to see our value. We want people to treat us the right way. But again, the harsh truth is that we can't control what other people do. All we can do is respect ourselves enough not to desire the people who have shown us through their actions that they don't value us. And you've probably heard that quote before, the what's meant for me won't miss me. Um, I really like that quote. I know it's a little corny, but I like it. And while I very much believe that, it's obviously much easier to say in theory than to live by in practice. You know, when we're in these moments of super intense pain, like, you know, our minds are just kind of clouded and it's really hard to have the objectivity to say to ourselves like, hey, that thing just isn't for me. (laughs) My rejection is the universe's protection. Like, (laughs) does that lessen our pain in that moment? Probably not. (laughs) But, you know, what's the alternative? I think that the alternative is living in a state of suffering, of longing, of chasing, of trying to keep a stranglehold on everything. And obviously that is a losing battle. Um, Mel Robbins, you know, who I've probably gotten into her content more so in the last like nine, 10 months. Um, So she has a great podcast, very much personal development-y. And she had a recent episode where she talked about this idea of quote, let them, the let them idea. And I had to talk about this because I feel like I've been preaching this for a long time and I love that she has a big audience and platform and put it out there. Um, This is the embodiment of non-attachment. If someone lies to us, like let them. If your partner or your friend breaks plans with you at the last minute, even if they seem to have a legitimate reason and maybe they don't even bother to reschedule, then let them. If they don't respond to your texts or calls, let them. Letting people do what they want to do allows us to see what they would rather do. People reveal themselves to us through their actions, through their choices. And when we interfere and try to alter their behavior, that means that they are changing themselves in response to us. They aren't doing the thing that they would have otherwise done if we had just sat back and observed. And the more that you observe, the more you're going to notice patterns. The more you're going to be able to gather that raw behavioral data that will tell you whether or not you even want that person in your life. Whether, you know, the stress, anxiety, 
anger, fear that they cause you, if it even offsets the value that they bring. You can do like a real pros and cons diagnosis. And another really hard truth is that people can only meet us as far as they've met themselves. You've probably seen that quote too. It's another one that it's a gem, but again, it's another one of those that's easier said than done, cool to put on an Instagram story, harder to live out. <laughs> and if someone isn't doing their own work, they haven't processed their trauma, they're not learning their triggers and learning healthy habits to cope with those hard things, then they really don't know themselves yet. And they'll continue to hurt themselves and anyone who tries to get close to them. And as much as me, we really may want to jump in and help these people because we care about them. It's like someone you love is drowning. You want to jump and pull them out of the water, but you can't force people to do their own work. They have to want to do it. They have to be a willing participant in their own life and their own healing. We cannot make anyone do something that they aren't ready to face. And that is when we just let go. And we respect ourselves enough not to hold space or time or energy for those people. And we diverge our path from theirs, not because there's bad blood or resentment or anything like that, but because we care enough about ourselves to only pursue healthy, supportive, loving connections, right? So when you find yourself maybe in the middle of a heated argument, or you're staring at your phone, willing someone to text you, you know, I hope that you remember this podcast. I hope that you hold an open hand to that situation. And I really, really hope that you choose to let go. Until next time, honor yourself, choose yourself, and love yourself first. <laughs>